Welcome to From Ashes to Beauty with John Ortberg. Each day, Monday through Friday, you'll find 10 minutes of relevant spiritual guidance on the kind of people we are becoming. Follow us on YouTube at becomenew.me or receive daily text alerts when a new episode is published by texting the word BECOME to the number 56525. Invite a friend to listen along by sharing this podcast or sharing the link becomenew.me. We're glad you're here. And now, here's John. Well, I want to welcome everybody, those of you that are able to join live now and people who will be watching this all through the day in this season. This is Friday. This became known as Good Friday, but not until after Sunday. And we have been leading in this direction on our journey from ashes to beauty. Uh, We have had technical difficulties. Um, I don't always push the right buttons. And uh, it's just kind of pathetic, but in some ways probably appropriate that on this day, um, personal inadequacy would reign once again. So my apologies for that. It was um, really, really sad for me because I was looking forward so much to doing everything at seven o'clock. But my goodness, I see lots and lots of names on here. So um, Peter, Marty, Ted, uh, Liz, really moving to see your name. Greg and Corinne, Greg, I wish you were singing a song right now to mark Good Friday. Um, but I'm I'm very, very grateful to be doing this journey with you. And in so many ways, uh, Friday and the message of Friday and the crucifixion sums up this journey and is the focal point of what we have been doing in our hope. So I have this question, if you want to respond uh, and put it in the chat along with your names, And the question is, what does the cross mean to you? And it may be that you have been around the faith for a long time, and it might resonate in a lot of different ways. Maybe you're just checking out Christianity, and uh, it seems strange or odd or mysterious or curious to you. Um, uh, But uh, if you have a thought around that, um, uh, I'd love to hear what does the cross mean to you? And uh, what would you like to hear about it? Um, This is from a quite remarkable book called The Crucifixion by Fleming Rutledge, who's a great thinker and preacher. And uh, it's the first uh, really substantive book about the crucifixion in about 30 years since John Stott wrote a book about the cross. And this is how she starts. Christianity is unique. The world's religions have certain traits in common. But until the gospel of Jesus Christ burst upon the Mediterranean world, no one in the history of human imagination had conceived of such a thing as the worship of a crucified man. The early Christian preaching announced the entrance of God on the stage of human history in the person of an itinerant Jewish teacher who had been ingloriously pinned up alongside of two societies cast off to die horribly rejected and condemned by religious and secular authorities alike, discarded onto the garbage heap of humanity, scornfully forsaken by both elites and common folk, leaving behind only a discredited, demoralized handful of scruffy disciples who had no status whatsoever in the eyes of anyone. And in this great sentence, the peculiarity of this beginning for a world-transforming faith is not sufficiently acknowledged. And it is not. No one could have dreamed this up. Nobody would think about the worship of a crucified man 
uniting the world. And uh, the cross uh, has become the single most famous symbol or brand in human history. And uh, we often talk about it in ways that can kind of trivialize it. People will sometimes talk about like a spouse that nags too much or doesn't clean up after themselves as I guess it's just a cross that I have to bear. And um, there is such a thing as bearing the cross for you and me. Jesus, before he died, said that uh, uh, we are to take up our crosses. But what he means by that really is dying to ourselves. That's step three in our journey together to be willing to say no to my desires for the sake of the good. So that's the cross that we take. Um, and then sometimes people will distinguish between a cross and a thorn. A thorn in the flesh is suffering that's inflicted on me. It's not something that I choose, like taking up my cross. It could be a problem with my health or finances or world conditions. Um, the crucifixion is what happened to Jesus on the cross. And it's not just one piece of suffering among many pieces of suffering. Fleming Raleigh points out that there had been many famous deaths. John Kennedy was assassinated or Marie Antoinette was uh, guillotined or uh, Princess Di died in a car accident. But we don't talk about the assassination or the guillotine or the beheading or the poisoning. But we talk about the crucifixion because what happened to Jesus was unique in human history. And we don't often think about how irreligious the cross is. Periodically, there'll be arguments about what can be made space for in the public arena. And the New York Times had an article a while ago about how uh, Christmas trees were okay and menorah, menorahs were okay, but the cross was forbidden because it was so uniquely religious. But when you think about a cross, a cross itself is about the most irreligious thing in the world. People will sometimes ask, why did Jesus have to die? But of course, the, the issue is not just that he had to die. He had to be crucified because of the nature of crucifixion. It's not just that in Jesus, God was tasting death. Crucifixion was a sign of failure. It was designed for humiliation. It was a death that was reserved basically for slaves. It was public. It was state-sponsored um, to, to mock the person, to degrade the person that was crucified. That was the point. And that's what Jesus underwent because there was no other way that God could descend all the way down to us, all the way down into our problems, into our sin. The cross tells us there is something very deeply wrong with this world. I've been reading a book about uh, ancient philosophy as a way of life and how ancient philosophers would talk about there is something wrong in the human condition. We are the victim of uh, uh, passions that we cannot control and fears that are irrational. Um, and so they would try to find solutions to this. Sometimes we use technology. Sometimes we use education. Sometimes we use medicine. But the cross says there is something wrong with this world, and it's in me, and it's in you, and there's a great power attached to it, and it needs to be defeated, and no human being can do this. No human ingenuity can do this. Um, not just education, not just technology. We need a Savior. So I want to read uh, for a few moments again the story of the crucifixion and allow you to think about it, reflect on it, think about the meaning of hope for you. And then I want to 
lead us in communion together. And if you have the elements uh, in your home, then you can do this also. Yes, so many of these comments on the cross. The cross means hope. The cross means redemptive grace. The cross is God's unforgivable love for us. Uh, the cross is what connects the divinity of Jesus and the humanity of Jesus and all of humanity. The cross is a beautiful Mark DeMell. It's God's stake in the ground. It is God's stake in the ground. It is a stake through the heart of God. It is a nail piercing the hand of God. That is the cross. And only God could have thought up the cross. And only God could have placed a cross at the center of human history and make what was intended to be the ultimate statement of failure, defeat, and humiliation into the ultimate expression of forgiveness and sacrificial love and hope. This is from the Gospel of Mark, and I invite you now to reflect on the cross and Jesus being willing to do this for you and me. In Mark, it says, a certain man from Cyrene, Simon, the father of Alexander and Rufus, was passing by on his way in from the country, and they forced him to carry the cross. And by the way, Mark, the earliest gospel, is the only one that notes that Simon had two sons, Alexander and Rufus. And scholars say that the reason for this is that when the book of Mark was written, those two sons were still alive. And this was a way of pointing out the fact that this actually happened. You could go ask them. And then we're told in this story, at noon, darkness came over the whole land until three in the afternoon. And at three in the afternoon, Jesus cried out in a loud voice, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And I will say, for me, part of the deep meaning of the cross in this season of my life is when there has been so much pain, I've had so many moments of deep regret or guilt or feeling alone. Uh, to meet God in pain, to meet God in the cross, to meet God in the dark hours of the night when I feel most alone has meant more to me than it ever has before in my life. And somehow Jesus, God himself, experiences God forsakenness. And that's part of the message of the cross. That's part of the mystery of the cross. There is no suffering that you and I experience. There is no weight of guilt or regret that we carry that Jesus does not know. When some of those standing near him heard this, they said, listen, he's calling for Elijah. Someone ran, filled a sponge with wine vinegar, put it on a staff and offered it to Jesus to drink. With a loud cry, Jesus breathed his last. The curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. And when the centurion who stood there in front of Jesus saw how he died, he said, surely this man was the son of God. And my wife, Nancy, particularly loves that image of the curtain being torn in two and that that veil of separation that divided us, that kept us out of the most holy place where God was present has been removed. So now we can just walk right on in because of the cross of Jesus. There is no separation. And I think of uh, the whole way of life that we have been learning together from during Lent, from ashes to beauty. Uh, it begins by experiencing powerlessness and Jesus knows powerlessness on the cross, his weakness, and his suffering uh, bear the weakness of the whole world. 
and then we surrender our lives and our wills. One of the most important words in the story of Jesus' uh, suffering is to be handed over. It says that Judas hands over, sometimes translated betrays, but he hands Jesus over to Pilate, and Pilate hands him over to the soldiers, and the soldiers hand him over to death on the cross, and on the cross, uh, in the Gospel of John, the same verb is used, Jesus hands over his spirit to the Father. It's the great handover. It's the great handover. And through that on the cross, you and I are handed over. And through Jesus taking on the judgment of the cross, we are handed over to the grace of God. And the curtain is torn down. And all of the steps that we have been on, uh, that fearless and searching uh, inventory examination, the reality of sin is inventoried, is revealed on the cross. And our asking God to remove our defects, our sins, our guilt is nailed to the cross. And our seeking to make amends so that we can be reconciled with others. God in Jesus Christ on the cross was reconciling the world to himself. And all of this happens then so that through the crucifixion and the resurrection, we can receive a mission, go and tell the world. So now, uh, in light of the crucifixion, I want to take a piece of bread. And if you're at home, you can feel free to do this also. Jesus says that this bread is the expression of his body that was broken. My great brokenness and your great brokenness are somehow summed up in the brokenness of Jesus so that we can be made whole. And then he says, this cup is the new covenant, the new agreement, the new promise of forgiveness and grace, a new beginning, a new start, a new life. Death doesn't get to win. Poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you eat this bread and you drink this cup in remembrance of me. Now take a moment and thank God. God, thank you that my suffering and my guilt and my regret are not the end of the story. John Stott in his wonderful book writes about how sometimes he would go into a Buddhist temple and see the Buddha in his peace and serenity with that slight smile and those were always remarkable moments. But he says, I'm drawn again and again to the twisted, suffering, writhing, agonizing figure on a cross. That's the God for me. The God who loves me so much that he would come and share in suffering. And that's the message of the cross. That's a cross that means so much to us that we could never, you know, we could write about it for uh, years and years and never get to the depth of it. So live today in the shadow and the power in the suffering and the pain and the hope of the cross. And uh, I decided I can't really stop this journey just at the cross. We got to go to resurrection. So I'll send one last little video out on Easter Sunday morning. 
uh, unless I have further te technical difficulties and uh, celebrate the resurrection with you. But I want to thank all of you for going on this journey from ashes to beauty at the foot of the cross. I love you. And again, it's just great. Oh gosh, Alex, so good to see your name. And John, man, God bless you. Rebecca Colburn, oh, Malia, love you so much. Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Nancy.